The Committee on Ministerial Care of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church is pleased to present this webinar on Prayer in Pastoral Ministry. Our host today is John Fickert, the OPC's Director of Ministerial Care. Hello, I'm John Fickert, and welcome to our discussion of the topic of prayer in the life of a pastor. My guests today are three OPC ministers, Bruce Hollister, Regional Home Missionary for the Presbytery of the Midwest, Zachary Keel, Pastor of Escondido Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Escondido, California, and Hiro Hockabord, OPC Missionary in Lviv, Ukraine. Bruce, Hiro, Zach, welcome. If you had one word to choose to talk about prayer and pastoral ministry, what word would you choose and why? Uh, for me, uh, that word would be helplessness. Mm. Uh, because, well, for a couple of reasons, I think. Uh, helplessness is the uh, really the flip side of faith. But I think especially when confronted with whether my own needs or the needs of those in congregation, you know, we're all very much aware that uh, there's nothing we can do, or we learn this better, don't we? There's nothing we can do to affect any real change, mm -hmm. whether in ourselves or in others. So it's just wonderful to be, to be able to come before the Lord and say, I can, I can do nothing here, mm -hmm. and I need your grace. They need your grace. Uh, so helplessness is the word. I appreciate that. Here, what would you say? Um, I, I've used a different word to get you at the same point. <laughs> mm -hmm. I would think uh, gospel. And because I think prayer is a, is a picture of the gospel in the sense that I don't have what it takes. Mm. I don't have what it takes to be a good pastor, to be a, a good husband and father, to be a Christian man. God has everything. And so prayers, it's, it's about the gospel. Yeah, appreciate that. Thank you. How would you say pastoral ministry has changed how you pray? Uh, hopefully it's made it more frequent, and I think it has. Um, that persistence that can, you know, um, not just single times of longer prayer, but much more frequent, shorter prayers. I would say pastoral uh, ministry has made my prayers more intense. Mm. Uh, well, I'm sure everybody has intense needs for prayers. I feel it in this way in the pastoral ministry. Uh, just countless times just falling on my knees because I just know I, I do not have what it takes. And this is, this is the only place I can get the help. So it's just, mm. uh, just desperation and, and intensity in prayer. One of the things I'd like us to talk about today are some of the difficulties of pastoral prayer, but before we do that, let's talk about some of the greatest blessings you've had in prayer. So what would be one or two blessings you've experienced in pastoral prayer? Um, one obvious one is just answered prayer. Mm. Um, and I guess in order to have answered prayer, you have to pray, right? And you have, it helps when you pray specifically. And I just remember one example when we first started our ministry in, in Lviv, in Western Ukraine. Our very first English camp was our first big ministry event. And we advertised in the city uh, for students to come to interviews for the camp. And we had no idea how many students would come, but uh, we knew we wanted, I think, 40 or 50 students at the camp. And so we prayed for 100 students to come to the interview at a specific location downtown. And we prayed for that and asked, asked other people to pray for it. And um, 
exactly 100 students came uh -huh. to those interviews. So <laughs> that was just, you know, God saying, in our understanding, I'm with you. you know, I'm with what you're doing. I'm taking care of you. So um, having that specific prayer answer like that was just a, a huge encouragement. Hmm. I think, too, to put it another way, to see the hand of God is really what we're saying, right? See the hand of God, hmm. whether it's a very precise answer to what you've requested or um, it's not quite what you requested. You know, mm. you pray, you pray X and the Lord answers Z, uh, but you, you're, you're, you're tuned in in a particular way and you see it. You, you know, you have the privilege of seeing providentially, you know, what, what God's doing. So that's a great, I think that's a great blessing in ministry, in prayer, in ministry. You know, it's so easy for us to worry and, and have all these anxieties. And I think prayer brings a peace to that. And, uh, and then a contentment that whether there's a healing or not, whether the, the person comes to church or not, Lord, you know. Mm -hmm. Your ways are higher than my ways. So that's helpful. Let's, let's flip the question then. What is something that makes uh, prayer and pastoral ministry hard or difficult? I think especially the uh, press of busyness, hmm. which we all face uh, constantly. And so there's a temptation to um, lean upon our work or our busyness even, and to take some comfort in that, uh, to lean on that as opposed to leaning on Christ and depending upon Him. So. Everyone feels that. Of course, the Lord's example there, you know, busiest man in the history of the world, undoubtedly. <laughs> and so he goes off and purposes to close the door, as it were, and and have time with the Father. And it's just a great, it's the greatest example, isn't it? He is the greatest example of that. We're all pressed with busyness. And um, if there's a great pressure and great temptation to trade off our busyness and our labor with dependence, real dependence on Christ, I think. Yeah, prayer really is an act of faith mm. because when you, when you pray, uh, you, it can really feel like you're not accomplishing anything. You know, I'm just standing here on my knees or whatever posture I'm taking, talking to God and time is going by in the meantime. But it's believing that this really is essential to what I have to do today, and it really is worth taking the time to do it. Um, I don't always exercise that faith, but it really is about believing that this is something worthwhile, even more worthwhile than many other things that I planned. Hmm. Zach, when is the hardest time for you? I would say the hardest time is when, you know, that persistence of when you keep praying for something and you don't see an answer. And, you know, and it feels like, I mean, the, the words of the psalmist, you know, Lord, wake up. Lord, why aren't you hearing me? And, and know that at times it feels like the Lord is quiet to our prayers. Hmm. And, and yet other places in Scripture it tells us to keep praying, to be persistent. And... Um, not that there isn't a time to stop praying for something. Sometimes that is. Paul stopped praying for the removal of the thorn in the flesh. So there can be that time. But 
knowing that just because it feels like the Lord is silent, He's not. He's listening. And to keep praying, to keep being persistent when it feels like the door of heaven is closed. Mm. We could say, we. I, I find it hard to pray when I otherwise uh, uh, am, I, I slip into uh, self-dependence and I I'm doing something that I've done before, and I, I think I can do it. I can do it well. I'm used to doing it, mm. so I don't think to pray. And in that sense, you know, it's it's hard to pray. I just don't think to pray when I'm shifting into what I ordinarily know how to do. Right? I can do this. I can handle this. I've done it many times, so I just don't. There's a sort of difficulty there, right? I just didn't think to pray. Let me throw in another one. Um, I think we live in this information age where there are just so many things claiming our attention, so many things that, look at this, look at that. And so what are your reflections on all the different things claiming our attention? How does that impact a commitment to prayer? Yeah, I have several uh, social messaging apps on my on my phone that people in the congregation or other people mm-hmm. use to to write, and those things are just coming in at different times during the day or, or when I'm praying, and uh, and I need to pay attention to them, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and that could be yeah. really distracting. <laughs> so it's it's a it's a good tool, um, but it's it's very hard to manage that. And some of our dear brothers and sisters feel like they can text you any time, and they, and they can, you know, <laughs> but they, they can easily think that um, they're the only, almost they're the only person that needs you right, <laughs> right now, right? Yeah, there's a certain ethic to text messaging, right, where people almost expect an immediate response if you text them, and that's not always pastoral ministry, right? Mm. Um, and certainly not the pausing to pray, experience either. I think there's a big sense of urgency with text and all those sorts of things. Like, do it now, do it now. Hmm. And what prayer does is, prayer reminds us the Lord's in control. He's wiser than we are. And what may seem urgent to us is not the same urgency to the Lord. Hmm. And His timing is different. And so... As was said earlier, the example of Christ, he was plenty busy during his earthly ministry, and he took that time to disconnect, to shut down, you know, and to go off in the country. I mean, the disciples, a couple of times, the disciples like, where is he? And they had to go searching out in the country to find Jesus praying. And so disconnecting for that time, again, whether it's for a longer period, like a, an hour to pray or whether it's 10 minutes, but to shut that down and just to focus and say, um, there's always more needs, there's always more things, but it's more important to be resting in the Father's hands mm-hmm. and to give these urgent matters over to Him and let Him answer in His wisdom. Any thoughts about how to encourage the congregation in prayer? Um, I think um, being aware that when you pray, and so in public, so worship, pastoral prayer, or even before like a fellowship meal or whatever, um, to understand you're kind of modeling prayer for them. Uh, I think it's easy for any person 
to get a little bit myopic in our prayers. Lord, help me through the day and help grandma with this. And, and they don't think of the church. They don't might think of missions, home missions, presbytery. And so incorporating the larger, you know, foreign missions, home missions, um, the civil government, um, modeling those sorts of great commission aspects, we might say, you know, praying for those great commission um, work that the Lord is doing. And so um, I think modeling that, um, mentioning people by name, I think it's easy for us to get overly general in our prayers at times. There's a time to be general, a time to be specific, but sometimes we need to be more specific. And and so if in your pastoral prayers, if you're naming saints, um, um, when appropriate, some people privacy, we can't always name people on Sunday morning, but you know, when you can and it's appropriate, name them. And, um, and I think just modeling that, that sort of holistic, all the different things we can pray for and not just be about me in our prayers. Do you have any thoughts on how much you disclose with the people in your congregation? You know, a man can be just very closed up and, um, uh, and, the, and the people in the congregation, they get the impression that he, the, the pastor is really not like them. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like perfect, you know. He's, mm. he's got it all together. He never has struggles. Um, he never wrestles with anything like depression, nothing like that, you know. So, that, I mean, that kind of genuineness spiritually is what, where my mind goes when I th- you know, think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Transparency, yeah. careful in how much you share. Yeah. Yeah, if, if, just to um, emphasize what Bruce is saying, if we want to give people an example of the Christian life and inspire them to prayer, we have to be transparent about the fact that we are weak and mm. that we need God. and We do not have our act altogether. Mm. We do not have what it takes. And uh, we need prayer. Um, and so if we need it, Certainly, the people in the, in the congregation need that as well. Whereas, if they see us as this strong, independent pastor, then they will think, well, this is the kind of Christian I will need to be, and maybe mm-hmm. I don't need my Savior every day that much because my pastor can do it mm-hmm. without, you know, God's help and, and all these things that he's doing. Yeah, I just say amen to what they... I think it's so important to show your, your people that, you are like them. You're a sinner. You depend upon Christ. Uh, you're saved by grace, just like they are. And um, the Christian life is, is God sits thorns and thistles and, and rocky paths for all of us, and maybe more for pastors. On the, other, on the other side, I think, though, there's a limit to that. You want to show that dependency um, but, you know, First Timothy 3, being above reproach, you know, part of the thing of being a leader is, you know, we all have our inside thoughts, coveting, mm-hmm. that we confess, and, and before the Lord we bring those. And, but a lot of those don't need to be shared, you mm-hmm. know. Um, mm-hmm. And so, in that sense, it's not dishonest. You can tell people, I struggle with coveting, I struggle with struggling with money, those sorts of things. But to get overly detailed sometimes can um, tarnish the office a little bit. Um, and so I think there's that, that importance of leading and um, putting on that, that um, 
modeling Christ and those sorts of things, and yet at the same time, but I'm still a helpless sinner. And mm -hmm. so balancing that to some extent. Uh, one of the things that I'm often aware of in prayer is how long am I praying this congregational prayer? <clears throat> Any thoughts about length of prayer during the worship service? That's a good question, yeah, because um, it's, it's interesting being in a missions context where people are not from the church, they're not from a church background. And so people have said to me very openly, like, wow, that, that church is, that, that prayer is pretty long on Sunday morning. You know, once I start going over over five minutes, closer to 10 minutes, then, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, I think there needs to be some wisdom in, in, in gauging the congregation as well, what people are used to, what they're able to, to handle. So I try to be concise and mm. not just keep going on and on and on and to think beforehand about what I want to say, what I want to emphasize this morning, what is best left out. Mm. Because if I just go through the whole mm. prayer list that we have in the church, then it just gets a little, little cumbersome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say uh, similar. I mean, I think accommodation uh, to our society, you know, they say people have lower, shorter attention spans, those sorts of things. So, um, you know, in the Reformed tradition, I've been in churches where the pastoral prayer was 25 minutes, you know, almost longer than the sermon. Um, and then others where it's really short. Um, and so I do five to seven minutes sort of thing, uh, sometimes shorter for, um, you know, people coming in, evangelicals or non-believers coming in. That five-minute pastoral prayer, which, you know, I would say is on the shorter side in terms of our tradition, stills like, oh my goodness, this is long. On the other hand, I don't think it's wise to go too short, you know, because um, a longer prayer, let's say five to seven minutes, it really impacts the congregation. Look, prayer is part of our worship, mm -hmm. and um, this is a part of our ministry, and they are praying with you. This is a corporate prayer, you know, and uh, there should be joining their hearts and their voices to yours. And so, in that sense, we want to not just accommodate to a social weakness, we might say, mm. but to challenge and push. And I think you can help people to where the first time they visit a four-minute prayer is like, oh my goodness, it seemed like eternity, mm. to in a few years, five, ten, however long it takes, however, whoever, where a five to seven or ten minute pastoral prayer is natural, peaceful, worshipful. Hmm. I'll say this sometimes to men in terms of leading their families in prayer and they feel very pressured, you know, in terms of time and so yeah. on. And I'll say to them, oftentimes they'll say, it doesn't have to be long, yeah. <laughs> right? It just has to be real. Hmm. And so you're thinking of that, you know, in our prayers, leading in prayer, um, we, we, we want that so much, this real connection with the Lord and ex expressing mm. that. And that's so helpful, isn't it, to, to those who are following us and they're, they're voicing what they're, we're seeking to teach them that. They're, they're voicing, they're joining their hearts together with us when we're praying, you know. But it's, uh, uh, well, our prayers, they better be real <laughs> mm. uh, and not merely uh, going through the list. And there's also the danger of repeating the sermon during the prayer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which it is important to, <laughs> to pray to God about what we just talked about, right? To ask him to make this real. But it can easily slip into the, the encore of, of the sermon. 
Or that's a great mistake at the end of the sermon, right? You feel like you're still trying to preach what you were trying to preach, you know, when you got to... Right. <laughs> what are your thoughts about pastoral prayer uh, when your country is at war? Yeah, uh, many different thoughts. It, uh, obviously, the war has made our prayers more intense, and they're, from the very start of the war, our congregation was praying more. There's a, a social media app called Telegram. And on that, we have a church channel. And we were, one of the men in our church, on the, on the 24th of February, started uh, these um, online prayers that anybody in the church could join in. He'd give a 15-minute warning and people would join in. And so the congregation was praying together online like that several times a day uh, for the first couple of weeks of the war, and then it went to once a day. So certainly our prayers obviously became much more intense and uh, more frequent. But there have also been questions uh, at the same time of what do we pray for? Well, certainly we pray for the war to end. We pray for Ukraine to win. Um, I have to remind people of the greater war that is taking place, and so we're, we're praying every Sunday for uh, the church to grow through this war in Ukraine and in Belarus and in Russia. I make a, a point of praying for those countries as well because the church is bigger than nationality, right? It's bigger than countries. And we want to see the church grow in those countries. Um, even though it's, it's very hard for our people to pray about that right now, it's hard for them to pray for Russians um, for obvious reasons. And so we've had to talk about Questions such as how you how do you love your enemy during this time? And Jesus says, pray for your enemies. Well, how do we pray for our enemies? <laughs> We're not going to pray for their success. I mean, I pray for them every Sunday that they would fail in what they're doing. That the soldiers would be hungry and sick and and run back home. Um, but how do we pray for them? Well, I think the most important way to pray for our enemies is for them to repent. Mm-hmm. So I just pray for people in Russia to repent and for the church. To, to grow there, and I try to encourage people to, to keep doing that because the church is bigger than nationality, and the real war, the spiritual war, is bigger than this physical war. So who is someone in each of your lives, an author, a mentor, a pastor, someone who's most uh, contributed or influenced how you think about prayer and pastoral ministry? For me, it's uh, the author Halsby and his book on prayer. And in fact, when I mention helplessness, that's one of the key lessons from that book, little book mm-hmm. on prayer, emphasis through that whole through that whole book. Um, and you know, certain lessons, uh, whether with respect to prayer or other things too, right? Certain lessons, an author expresses something or a pastor expresses something in a particular way, and it it just sticks with you in the best sort of way. Mm-hmm. So. So I need to give proper credit here when I talk about helplessness. That's you know that's that's the fruit of uh, years ago reading Halsby, and mm. so that that was a big influence on me in terms of prayer. I, I enjoyed um, Paul Muller's book, *The Praying Life*. Mm-hmm. It just uh, gives a very, I think, a very good overview of prayer in the book, and it's just uh, pretty down to earth and, and very practical. So it's been very helpful for me and, and for our congregation as well. Mm. That's nice. That is an accessible book, so mm-hmm. something you can share with the congregation as well. Zach, what would you say? 
I would probably say Luther's exposition of the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, one, it's Luther, the way his writing style is delightful often. But being he was in a monastery, you know, I mean, there is um, immoral prayer. There is improper prayer. And the, the, the way he talked about, you know, monks and nuns mm. praying as a work and, and again, being critical of that with all that sort of thing. And so, again, I think, I mean, look at Jesus again in the Sermon on the Mount. Pagans pray long, the Pharisees pray long and stand up. So the idea of, of abusing prayer by being showy or trying to be manipulative or those sorts of things, I think Luther, his exposition, just keeps those in mind. And to me, it was, again, with Luther's style, is down-to-earth and very refreshing. And uh, um, so I would probably say that. Let's close with this question. Uh, Jesus tells us to pray in his name and that he will answer those requests that we bring in his name. And that's something that's true of all Christians, and we encourage those in our congregation to pray that way. But just as you reflect on the privilege of praying in Christ's name, uh, both in your own life and for the congregation, what are your reflections on praying in Christ's name? Yeah, you know, I mean, clearly praying his name rests upon his objective work, particularly his high priestly work, as he in his own body tore down those curtains and opened up the way through his own uh, body for us to enter the heavenly uh, holy place and to pray. So, you know, just being reminded, you know, pray in Jesus' name, always reminded of the cross and his Mm -hmm. redemption, um, his priestly work on the cross and his continuing priestly work at the right hand. Um, And in that sense, when you remember what Christ has done, you're reminded of he knows exactly what we need. And I, and I think praying in Jesus' name reminds us that he does everything for his glory and for the good of those who love him. And so often those things we have such a hard time seeing. How is this good for me? Um, I got in a car wreck. Or how is this good? Somebody is in hospice care. Uh, how does this work for your glory? I evangelized someone and you know, they shut me down. It, it had no effect. Um, and and just knowing that um, Christ is all wise and we can pray for wisdom. We feel our lack of wisdom, but we pray in the name of one who has no lack of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, a good example of this, and this is one, it comes from Second Kings. And Hezekiah prays to be delivered from Sennacherib. And the Lord hears his prayer and says, I will deliver you and I will strike down Sennacherib. Well, we know that that happened in 701 B.C. And we know that Hezekiah died 14, 15 years later. But we also know Sennacherib died two years after Hezekiah. Mm. He answered that prayer, but it was after Hezekiah died and it was not, he didn't get to see it. (laughs) And it was one of those things that a lot of times that's how our prayer is. We pray for the conversion of our brother. And 20, 30 years, mm-hmm. why doesn't the Lord answer this? You know, how can this not be according to his will? And yet Christ is all wise. And he might do that in a day and a time 
and we don't see it in this life. Mm -hmm. and, and so just that comfort of we are praying to one who knows perfectly mm -hmm. and where all knowledge is, well, very far from perfect. Mm -hmm. Zach, Hero, Bruce, thank you for joining today for your reflections on prayer. Very much appreciate it. Thank you, John. Yeah, thank you.